If you're looking for success in the vacation rental industry, Heather Bayer and the team at cottageblogger.com are here to show you that it's entirely within reach. Welcome to Vacation Rental Success, the show that features interviews with industry experts, successful vacation rental owners, and more, all geared toward helping you make it happen. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and I'm, or as ever, completely delighted to be back with you once again. I'm getting really close now to heading down south to the Caribbean for my Christmas break. And if you've been following Mike and Andrew's adventures uh, with their new sailboat, you'll know that uh, that they're finally, they've finally left Grenada, where they've been for six weeks, with all sorts of technical issues. Actually, poor, poor Mike had to live on the boat uh, on dry land for the first four weeks of, of their adventure, which is a bit sad. But they eventually splashed into the water about two weeks ago and um, enjoyed a little bit more of Grenada from the waterside, which I'm sure they absolutely loved, and now have started sailing north. So I will be joining them in St. Lucia in a couple of weeks, and uh, I will be reporting back from there, I'm sure. not Probably not frequently, but I'll let you know how, how that's going on. So, yeah, really looking forward to that, Con- particularly as we've had such a heavy dumping of snow and in November, it's not it's not that unusual. It's been as cold as February, and we had more snow over the last few days than than we might normally expect in a month. So, even more reason to be looking forward to a bit of Caribbean sunshine. So, of course, I was down in the sunshine a few weeks ago, last month, at the VRMA conference, the Vacation Rental Managers Association International Conference in Las Vegas. I had a great time there, and, and I can now truly say that I have I have been on the on stage at the MGM Grand. Although having said that, it wasn't it wasn't that spectacular where we were, <laughs> not not quite like a David Copperfield type of stage, but still that's my little claim to fame. So yeah, we had a great time, and I've mentioned that uh, mentioned that before. Of course, talked to Amy recently about um, you know her her feedback from the conference. And I met so many amazing people. Now, as you know, I, I tend to inhabit the uh, the micro level of vacation rentals. You know, the levels where where I'm talking a lot to owners and small property managers, those of us who are really on the front line, dealing with the day-to-day issues of guests and guest management and operations of, of bookings and how do we juggle our lives with managing our properties and our companies and and the sort of normal day-to-day stuff. And it's only when I get to a conference like VRMA that I get the opportunity to look at the much wider perspective of the industry. You know, going from the top down rather from 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 the bottom up where I often find myself, you know, as as a property manager myself, find myself down in the weeds. And and it is always good to get that more global perspective. So my guest today is known as one of the most insightful thought leaders in our industry. You'll often find Simon Lehman moderating panels of 
high-level executives as they discuss the industry as a whole. And, and when Simon is on stage himself, he delivers astute and thought-provoking presentations on, on, on the nature of our business and, and how it impacts us from the top down. Simon's been an advisor to some of the most well-known and respected names in this industry, including Home Away. He's currently a member of the advisory board of Properly, um, Hello Here, Transparent, and numerous other startups um, that benefit from his wealth of experience in our vacation rental business. So I'm deeply honoured and delighted to bring you my interview with Simon Lehman. So I'm delighted to have with me today Simon Lehman, who is joining us from Zurich in Switzerland. Simon's going to tell us a little bit about himself and how he got into the vacation rental industry in the first place. Welcome, Simon. It's, it's an absolute delight to have you um, here with us. Well, the same goes for me, Heather. Thank you very much. I say good morning to you and I say good afternoon to the rest of Europe <laughs> as well. <laughs> um, well, it's, it's, it's been 15 years and I sort of, it was actually a total coincidence that a headhunter approached me and asked me if I wanted to run uh, a, a very large uh, vacation rental company in uh, 2005. And I didn't hesitate because I really liked the emotional aspect of the business and the product. And I always love to travel. I, you know, come back from the transport and airline industry. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, therefore, international business was something very important to me. And the vacation rental with a perfect product, which I also used in the past, was a perfect fit for me to get into. What, what did you do in the intervening years? I mean, we, you weren't with the same company for 15 years. No, absolutely not. So I, I was with, with the company till 2014. So I internationalized the business, uh, digitized the business, digitized the distribution predominantly, uh, pushed very hard direct distribution, building up uh, online uh, distribution. We were the first uh, property manager in the world, actually, to integrate with Booking.com in 2010. It's already 10 years ago. Uh, HomeAway as well, then TripAdvisor. So, so we build out a B2B distribution strategy while we're still protecting ourselves uh, and pushing very hard direct distribution. So there was a lot to do in these in these years. And then after that, I uh, I started to build my own portfolio. So I have a I have a, a reasonably large portfolio of uh, startups in the online travel vacation rental space. So I've invested my own money. I do some advisory boards and board seats, and currently. I'm running my own consultancy company for more than over a year now, and I consult in the vacation rental industry. Uh, I help people to build strategies, growth strategies, M&A strategies, looking for targets, looking for you know, raising capital in case they need it if they're early startups. And I also do a lot of work for private equity companies who, who want to invest into this industry. And as we know, there's quite a bit of appetite out, out there. And I helped them to understand this industry and make the right decisions. So it sounds like you live, eat and breathe this business. Yeah, you could say that. Absolutely. I only, I only stay in hotels if I have to. And, and trust me, I wouldn't have stayed at the MGM either. <laughs> uh, so I, I can follow some of your comments in the past. 
uh, I'm definitely, you know, I have a large family. So for me, vacation rental is the, is the best and the only option. And I live and breathe vacation rental since 2005. I, I love the industry. I do a lot of speaking engagements. And I just think it's phenomenal how it's evolved and, and you know, how we see it coming closer to hospitality, the convergence to hotel guests and everything like that. So hospitality becomes one. And, and vacation rental has seen such a boom with with these massive marketplaces that have come out like like a, a home away to start off with, obviously with VRBO and then and then with uh, with Booking.com and Expedia and TripAdvisor and then only later Airbnb as well. So so the marketplace has really transformed this industry substantial and has has created new challenges, but it's actually brought a lot of growth to our industry. And and one thing that I'm very strong about that we should never ever forget is that vacation rental industry, like sharing a, a primary or secondary home is, is definitely not a new innovation and has been around for far longer than the hotel industry has. So so we, we definitely have a long, long history. It's just now where more is being talked about because of the marketplaces, because of the valuation of some of these companies and and therefore the money that has gone in the industry has obviously raised the expectation by the financial world but but totally down to the back to the roots the business has not changed fundamentally at all actually i remember going to uh cottage rentals in england um when i was a child and and actually we used to stay in in um, caravans on caravan parks for a, a summer week as well so the alternative accommodation so certainly over there has been around for for a great many years and absolutely when i got into it in the late 1990s you know it's before before home away before airbnb before but for me and for those of us who've been in the industry for 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 all those years we have seen this dramatic change over the past i mean i, I used to say it's over the past 5 years but you know these years are going so quickly so it's like you know it's over the past 15 20 years now we've seen these massive changes so I was interested at the VRMA conference to hear how many new attendees there were there. Uh, I believe there were over 500 new attendees. I mean, the, 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 the total attendance was in, in the, I mean, I've, I've heard a couple of different figures. One was 1,700, one was 1,900, but there were a lot of people there and a lot of people that are completely new to the industry. And I've mentioned in a, in a previous episode that I, I talked to a couple who had just two properties. One was their own and one was another one they were renting. And this this is sort of indicative of some of the new entrants in, into this space. So just, just looking at the VRMA conference overall, Simon, and thinking about the sessions that you attended, how do you think that those attendees would be perceiving our world of vacation rental as a whole. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think was the overriding message that was coming at them, particularly from the general stage? Because once, once you get into the, uh, the breakout sessions, it was a bit more pick and choose of, of some, some sessions that would have hit, hit them perhaps more accurately. But what about the general feel of the conference? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think first I want to allude on the 500 new um, attendants, which actually does not surprise me in the slightest um, 
and for a number of reasons. So obviously, the 500 new attendants are not just uh, obviously PMs or small PMs or property owners. Um, one thing we should not forget is that we're seeing a lot of investments coming into the industry in, in technology platforms, and therefore, there's a lot more new suppliers coming as well to the conference uh, trying to sell technology, especially IoT, Internet of Things, like uh, automated locks, digital locks, uh, house automation. So that's a new entrance into our industry. Then we still see new uh, PMS property management systems coming into the space. So I think it's a mix of, of newcomers from the property management side, but also from the supplier side. Uh, second, I heard the number of 1767. So I don't know, that was from my cops. And uh, and I don't know, that includes the no-shows or doesn't include the no-shows. But it's basically 25% growth on last year's attendance, which is phenomenal and, and fantastic. And third, why do they come and why, do, why is more coming? It's interesting. I um, One thing we should not forget is that building supply means building uh, your inventory or your properties has become a lot easier because the large online travel agents and marketplaces like Airbnb and HomeAway have brought a lot of inventory to the surface, which was actually not there, right? Uh, which was not visible, which was not accessible. Uh, and now all of a sudden it's, it's becoming visible and it's coming accessible. So we have this fantastic term called RBO, the rental by owner, and that obviously that number has increased dramatically on these platforms because they all of a sudden get away, uh, away in a tool and technology to actually rent their property. So they ultimately become entrepreneurs overnight because all of a sudden they need to deliver guest service, they need to clean, they need to... They need to, uh, you know, uh, do check-ins, welcome the customer, show them the apartment. They need to do maintenance. So all of a sudden, they, with one property, you already become a property manager as such. And and that's why we've seen this phenomenal growth of supply. And, and with that, we see a phenomenal growth of property managers as well. So if, if somebody says, and I'm probably one of them who says, you know, this, this industry needs consolidation, I think we need to understand that correctly. I think... A global consolidation is is going to be very challenging and needs to be seen if that is really creating additional value because our business is more domestic than it is international, even though that UK has international customers, New Zealand has international customers, US has international customers. But let's face it, when you travel internationally, you know, especially for vacation, you tend to rent less property because you you, you need more uh, to to sort of look, look after uh, your requirements in, in terms of what you bring. If I go in Europe to a vacation rental, obviously take my car and I can take anything I want and I can also have my sharp kitchen knife with me, which I always preach. <laughs> that is still that is still a big lack in our industry. Um, so therefore, it's it's a domestic business and 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 domestic. We, you know, in the U.S., we count about 1.4 million properties. About 600,000 of them are actually professionally managed. And that inventory is growing. So while RBOs are realizing how tough property management is, some actually start growing their business and think, hey, I manage one, I manage two, I do the friends one as well, and then my my my, my daughter's apartment and, and, and their friends and, and whatever, all of a sudden you end up with 10, 15, 20 properties and you're already a property manager. And then you, you start thinking about how do I how do I cope with the challenges of technology, customer complaints, you know, deposits. 
damages, damage waiver, insurances, all the things that you start to worry about. And interesting, because of that, that, that huge growth of supply, we will see actually more micro property managers growing than actually disappearing, despite the fact that you have some big players who are trying to consolidate the market. And, you know, to, to finish that one off, I, I just conducted a very big uh, study in the United States for a private equity firm in London. So I analyzed the market, the market dynamics, what's happening. And, and one of the quotes I got, I interviewed like 30 top execs in this industry. I've been around for many years and who are very, you know, reputable people. And, and one guy said, you know, this is crazy. Whenever a turnkey or a casa buys one property manager, five other ones pop up. And I was taken by that. And, and I, I started to think about it. Why? And, and this is just the answer that I've given this is what's happening. The supply is still coming. We still see 7% growth in urban, about 3% in leisure in terms of, of, of inventory. There is more inventory coming actually online, which hasn't been offline and we have, which has been offline. And, and we still haven't talked about all the potential properties that are still not for rent today, but will be for rent in the future. So the, the market continues and therefore the number of PMs will continue and therefore uh, the, the industry is, is, is growing in itself with more micro property managers uh, against the, the big ones who are trying to consolidate. You, you mentioned consolidate a couple of times. Yeah. Can, could you just explain what, what you mean by consolidation in the industry? Absolutely. So consolidation means trying to build a business at scale, which means instead of managing 20 property or 30 properties, you want to you wanna be present in all major locations in the United States. Uh, you want to start consolidating the market, bringing the market together, meaning you're acquiring property management companies and try to build a large business at scale. In, in all, obviously, in order to, 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 to make more money and, and be more attractive for potential investors and for potential buyers. See the valuations. How much do you pay for a very small property manager if he wants to sell his business? And how much do you pay for a very large one who has like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 properties? And, and building a business at scale is obviously interesting from an investment standpoint, and, and a few are trying to do that, but it's, it's challenging because, you know, your operational costs will increase, your manpower uh, will increase, and it's challenging in order to build a bigger business, and at the same time, your operational expenditure costs will not grow in the same way, then you, that you can actually build a business that is sustainable and 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 it's it's national. So basically, the the target is to build a national property management company, and and we haven't seen that really successful yet. And that's that's been very interesting in the conversations we had also in the, at the VRMA. Is that you know everybody talks about this, but nobody has been successful at it, uh, really successful at it. It's been all uh, more a local business than it's been a really big international or even a national business. I mean, we don't really have a national brand in the US, let's say, apart from Resort Quest, who, who can really, but also they are scattered in certain locations. So so it's like, it's, it's interesting to to see, and, and for, for me, Vacasa is an interesting one. You know, Vacasa has raised over 200 million in capital to grow that business nationally or internationally. And they, they control less than 1% of the entire available market in the United States. So, I think we're still far away from 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 building a business at scale, 
And the reason is is also this business is hyper local. This is this is the funda- foundation of our business, because our business and this is the most important piece about it. Our business has no assets because the asset is owned by somebody else, by an individual person. He owns the house. He owns the apartment. So what is our asset in our industry? The only asset we have in our industry is the trust and the relation that we have to the owner. That's the only asset. And to value that, I mean, if you have $3 in your pocket, that's $3 worth. What is worth a relationship to an owner? How do you value that? How do you value? And if you leave, he, he doesn't trust maybe somebody else to rent out his house. So, so to value this trust, what our business is based on, and it's obviously that our business is based on trust from our guests as well, because they, they stay in someone stranger's house, so that therefore they trust you as a provider that everything will be in order, will be safe, will be clean. And the owner trusts you that no guests will come and trash the place. And, and this makes it so hard to bring this business together and consolidate it. Because it's not just owning the, the asset, the house, you actually own the, only the relationship to the house. And to scale that and, and bring that together is, is very challenging. And therefore, nobody has been really successful at it because it's hyper-local. So, so what, I'm, what I'm hearing you say is that, that there is still great scope out there for startup property managers um, to, to come into the business and get off on a good good footing so for those let's you know let's come back from the consolidators to i i I hate using the word mom and pop businesses because you know as as we get into the business now we can call them micro property managers i like that yeah okay so micro property managers new to the industry what do they need to do to establish a foothold in the business and be seen as um as professional operators that's that's super interesting. So first, first, yes, I agree. There will be more micro property managers coming up because there's more supply provided by the platform. So we agree on that, right? So you start. A second thing that I've before I answer your question is is we need to strongly consider is for what purpose and at what stage in your life are you deciding to become a micro property manager? I think that's that's super crucial because that really depends on on what I'm going to answer on the question because there's two different ways uh, in terms of optimizing or, or looking at your, your threats and your opportunities while building out this business. But I think currently we see two types of micro-property managers uh, arising. One, it's somebody that has had a good exit from a corporate job and wants to do something in the hospitality, maybe owns a house or two themselves, and they start that as a, as a, as a business for, for good living just a good quality, engage with, with people, you're sort of close maybe to retirement, and, and you just want to build a good living business for yourself because you love to do a bit of hospitality and, and maybe even some maintenance on the properties or whatever. So, so that's just a lifestyle business. That's a lifestyle micro property manager. And then you have the ones who clearly identify, well, there is so much appetite for the piece of consolidation we talked about before. And therefore, they want to build something with, let's say, 50, 60, 100 properties in a city and get rid of and sell that to a larger one very quickly. So you see both of them out there right now. And as you can appreciate, the strategies of each of these examples are totally different in how you approach that business, right? So let's take the first one. The first one who is doing a lifestyle business. I think one thing that he needs to be very, which I believe is, is far 
has far less, not enough attention is, is the piece of technology. I think if you want to have a good ride and you want to have a seamless and stressful ride in actually providing good host and guest experiences, I think the first decision you need to make for yourself is, how, you know, how big do I want to get and which technology do I use and, and spend much more time than what the average spends to think, you know, I'm, I'm going to do it with an Excel spreadsheet, everything will be fine. And then I just do this manually with Airbnb after the third property it already becomes a pain. And after the fifth, it's even not manageable anymore. And to all the micro property managers that I speak to, their biggest mistake that they've made is is choose, chosen the right technology right at the beginning when they enter the business. I think that's that's the most crucial piece, I believe. And then of, and because the technology will provide you with the workflows, with all the things you need to worry about in terms of, you know, um, reimbursements, in, in, ter- in terms of payments and, you know, deposits and credit card payments and payments, payment solutions. And, and and actually managing calendars, integrating them with with OTAs. I think the second piece is, and, and here it becomes a bit more challenging because they're micro uh, property managers we're talking about, is distribution, obviously. Where is my booking ultimately coming from? Who is booking my property? And what type of quality of property do I want to focus on? You know, I think that's something very critical is that you, you really set yourself sort of the standard you want to cover in terms of your your quality of your property, and I would strongly encourage to go from 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 mid level to really high high end because low end is is definitely enough supply and 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 definitely less demand and you have complaints and and issues. So I think quality levels are important. So secure so so technology then then obviously the quality of the property is extremely important. How do you position yourself? And then third. Is distribution, you know, as I said, well, who is booking my, my properties? Where are the bookings coming from? And do I really want to invest a lot in in actually having my customers come back, increase repeat rates? You know what the OTAs, the online travel agents, have done in this country? They've they've basically become the single source of supply for property managers today, which I think is 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 because it's, it's basically it's nearly laziness. It's just been too easy to to plug into Airbnb and Homeway and Booking, and they will deliver everything at a predictable cost, right? But your brand is is disappearing. Everything is disappearing, and you only, you know, get these customers, and, and your repeat rates are going down. And I think that's something that I would be very strongly focusing on. That somehow, I can build a certain brand value around my business that I'm building up, even if I rely on. On OTAs to start with, with the traffic, I will do a lot in making sure we we have referrals and we have customers come back directly. Uh, I love to hear you say that because you know we talk very briefly, and you you probably won't remember this. It was sort of the probably the first time I met you way back in God, I can't remember which location it was. We we had a very brief chat, and I mentioned working with RBOs. And independent owners trying to make it on their own, and and I got the impression when when we spoke at that time that you felt that there was not a future in an independent owner or a micro property manager um, beginning their own website and building a brand. So, from from what I'm hearing you say now, though, that you, you you've come around a little bit towards the necessity for them to 
to take all the eggs out of the one basket and spread them about and build a brand to you know, almost to make a wrapper for it? Yeah, I, th- I, I think that is possible. I, I think it really depends on the geographical location of your properties as well. I mean, if, if I speak to people um, who I have a lot of respect for, is for example, Maureen, right? Maureen, you know, she doesn't use any OTAs at all, right? And she's in North Carolina. She, her business comes and she has repeat customers and she built, she built that business up. I think in today's world, I totally, I still strongly believe that without OTAs, you, you, you're not starting anything. That's just mm-hmm. impossible because you're not going to market on Google. It, it's impossible, right? And one thing we haven't talked about is Google because Google is, is fundamentally going to change how all the business is done in the future, but that's not known yet. So, so you need to start with OTAs. You need to start bringing traffic to you. Uh, you need to start bringing guests. What, 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 is, what I was very astonished with when I did this market study in the U.S., that nobody is, is, is looking at their CPA, their customer acquisition costs. What is the cost per action to actually get a, get a booking? And they say, well, I pay X amount of commission to the OTA, and that's my customer acquisition cost. But that's not true because ultimately none of these guys do, do, a, do strong CRM. You know, how do you remarket? Did you enjoy staying with us? Uh, do you call on the Sunday when they slept the first night to make sure everything was in order? All these things you can definitely do. Obviously, as an RBO, building a brand is impossible because you don't have a brand. You have a property, and 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 that's about it. But if you're a micro property manager at the right location where you get a lot of drive-in traffic and you get good repeat traffic, I, I do believe that you can build a certain a certain brand. Now, if that brand is found on online, no, it will be not because you can't compete with the OTAs on the keywords. But you can at least build a brand to engage with your guests directly. Yes, I would argue with what you just said about an RBO and whether it's worth them worthwhile them building a brand. I know of a great many RBOs who've done this and and they've followed all these steps and they are remarketing. They have a huge repeat business and from that have been able to grow their own folio of properties. And um, so in essence, still remaining as uh, an independent owner, but growing their own portfolio of owned properties. So I, th- I think that is, that is possible, but I, but I take what you're saying that, you know, so much of this is location dependent. Yes. You know, and, and Amy said this in, in a previous um, episode when she said, you know, it's the things are not the same for, for for owners and property managers down in the Gulf, in Gulf Shores, as they are for me, say up here in um, Lake Country, Canada, where where we book eighty percent of our reservations are are direct. We rely minimally on on OTAs, and and that's the same for the majority of our competitors in this location. Um, but you know, I freely agree that that is going to change at some point in the future. That is probably something you know. It's, it's something I say to new new managers: is is don't look back in in the past too much and rely on what other people have done in the past because it's going to change. No, uh, absolutely. And I think one thing we need to remember, and and I want to make a strong point of that, is that we need to differentiate. Okay, we need to differentiate. What markets are we talking about? What is the business model? What are you ultimately trying to achieve? How big do you want to get? I think all that differs. I think we, there is not just one 
single recipe to cook spaghetti bolognese. It's, there, there isn't, right? There's thousands, there's probably millions of grandmothers who know how to cook that. And, and, and I think, or, or mothers or fathers, whoever, and the same goes in this industry as well. I think there's not just one single recipe to 1 p.m. What do I need to look out for? I think you need to start, you need to understand what are the, dif- the differences between markets, differences between business models, and how can I, what, what is the best recipe for me to apply to that to be successful? And I think that already is a, is a huge starting point. If you, and I think that to attend VRMA might be mind blowing and, and you walk away and you have so much in your head, you can't sort of dissect it anymore. But I think that is a, is a great way to start to really get a, a broad picture. You, you mentioned the two types of micro property managers, the lifestyle. Yeah. And this, the other one was, and I hadn't really thought about this one. This is um, people coming into the business with the ultimate goal of selling it. I mean, we, we all have an exit strategy, but to actually have, you know, to be looking forward to saying, okay, I'm going to build something with 50 to 100 properties, and then one of these consolidators is going to come along and pick it up from me and take it forward. Tell, tell me a bit more about this type of um, PM. You know, we have seen is that these are the especially the urban ones. You know, the urban PMs, less the in leisure destination PMs, who think they can they can make a quick sale while they're building up their businesses. But obviously, while big companies are around buying other companies up, it starts to make you think. You know, what's my exit strategy, and how can I make a quick buck here and may basically you know ramp up supply very quickly, 100, 200 properties in, 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 let's say, two or three years, if you have enough density in your market and you have good connections and then get these owners to come to you, maybe with some aggressive commission approaches. So you, you, you're harming the others while you're lowering your commission towards owners to gain more. And then ultimately, when you have a, a pack together of 200, you know, there's already a market for it for people who want to buy that, who, who want to get bigger in their destination, either a, a local uh, mid-size uh, uh, property manager or or a bigger one and say, you know, this is perfectly fitting in our portfolio. We have demand for that region. We want to buy that company. And in the urban, in the urban, we, we have seen the property managers coming like mushrooms in the cities, right? Because that's all started with Airbnb, um, where people, you know, ultimately the RBOs will always be here for sure, but RBOs will go down again in terms of density because a lot of them will get managers to run their properties because they realize how challenging it is. And 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 that is not, you know, then they realize with 50 properties, what am I going to do with that? It's a lot of hard work. You don't want to add more people to it. And you're probably better off in, in going to a to a larger one like an air sorted or a host maker or, or 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 some of these urban PMs and just sell the business to them because you sell them a supply of contracts of let's say a hundred contracts, which can be very valuable for them. And 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 within three years, I see a lot of young guys who, who go in there and they already talk to me about exiting the business within three years and sell it to some of the bigger ones. How long that will continue to 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 go for is is questionable. But that's that's definitely a trend that we're seeing at the moment. So, so you talk about urban uh, urban market marketplaces. Now there are threats, obviously, in those marketplaces as well as in some of the leisure areas, and that's you know the threats of of, of legislation. Um, what are your thoughts on on that as it impacts smaller property managers coming into the business now? 
You're talking about legislation. Yeah, just regulations, legislation yep. that are up, up, upcoming, something that's there now, or something that may be there in the future that might impact them once they've they've started to put their prop their company together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's that's a moving target. I mean, and that's a question you can you can definitely happily ask Matt Curtis. He'll be far more competent <laughs> to answer that question than me. But I've spoken to him very recently, so uh, I, I use some of his feedback to me. Uh, on that issue. And and he says to me clearly, you know, you, first of all, let, let's talk about North America. Uh, we've had uh, just, just, a, just the United States alone has 2,300 local governments, okay? And each and every of them are in session at one given point of time and things can move. So regulations are very hard to track, impossible to track, and they can change. And that's a piece of the market dynamics we, which we either accept as a potential risk or we stay away from it. To, that's that's your choice. Uh, governments are changing. You have obviously governments are elected. It's driven by 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 the economy as such as well in terms of living prices. What are what are the key elements of lobbying? Is it more the hotels? Is it actually the the, the cost of living in a city where they want to make space available to the locals and not to the tourists? Is it over tourism? I mean, there's many different reasons why why this industry is being regulated. It's not just one, while the hotel sees that as a threat, for example. It's actually many, many different reasons. And that directly has an impact on, on how the regulation is being applied. And I think so far, it, it, there has been regulated markets. And, and I always use one example to sort of soften that argument or that risk factor a little bit. You know, I mean, New York, New York Manhattan... Is, is supposedly a regulated market, right? Uh, a very strongly regulated market, and basically you can't rent out uh, a property in a, in, a, in a building. And and at the and if you go on Airbnb, there's still eighteen thousand properties on Airbnb in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. So what's the problem? You know, in a simple terms, ask what what is the real problem? So obviously, it's the enforcement that is the big question. Uh, for me, it's less than the regulation itself. It's actually the enforcement. I, I did an analysis in Miami. I mean, the the penalty in Miami for an infringement for you know renting more than what is allowed, etc., is like it's like a thousand bucks the first time, and then it's like two thousand within the next twenty four months. And if somebody produces a business with you know, 40, 50 properties at a gross margin of 30, 40%. Is he really going to care? I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't suggest anybody to do illegal business, but I think the enforcement, that's where they're struggling in the governments to actually enforce these, these regulations, and therefore, there's still a lot happening. And then we see these individual cases, like we've just seen in San Francisco yesterday, the two owners, uh, you know, have been sued for taxes of like 2.2 million uh, who, who did it on Airbnb. So they, there are things going on, but I think regulations is there. It's gonna, it's changing all the time. We need to be aware of it, but fundamentally this will not wipe out the business. We just need to be aware and, 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 and take a calculative risk. Yeah. Okay. So just jumping back a bit, you mentioned Google. And so, so for people entering into the, into the market now is is this something that they should be researching and um, giving giving thought to what impact Google might have on the future, no, absolutely. future of the business? I, I think I, I think Google will become 
will definitely have a higher impact when when you have a larger property density than just being a very small player. And you know, the, the verdict is not out yet. What is Google really going to do with 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 uh, with products like vacation rental ads versus the hotel ads? I mean, they've done a lot in that space where now people can drive more direct traffic to Google again because. Google can, you know, aggregate certain uh, property manager inventory and bring that directly to the consumer and not via OTA. But obviously, you know, that's 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 a big and long play out there. Obviously, Google is is making a lot of money with the OTAs there. We've just seen a number yesterday by by Glenn Fogel announcing that Booking.com just spent one billion in a quarter with Google on on search engine marketing. So I think it's a long shot, but I still believe. Google potentially has the power to to bring far more direct business uh, to property managers than what they do today while they're taking actually the commission directly. But obviously with that, they will discriminate their key customers and it needs to, and it's definitely an internal big discussion that goes on with Google in, in, in how far do they really want to go in discriminating large OTAs while taking a commission for a direct booking. But I believe this is, more going to increase than it will be decreasing and Google will, will follow this closely over, over a period of time. So, so there's lots of potential in the market for startups. Given this explosive growth over time, just, just coming up with a stat that I, I saw, I think it was on Hostfully, that there's potentially well over 23,000 property managers. Now, I guess the majority of these are the micro property managers in, in the U.S., um, with these and with the, the the potential for so many more starting up, what is the future for startups in the space, do you think? Well, that's, you know, again, it depends what is the startup for, what is he looking for. If you can, if he, he can make a good living out of it, I think what we definitely see, we will see further margin compression. So as more and more owners know really how much you're supposed to be paying for the services that a property manager provides, I think margin compression can potentially be the single biggest threat to to newcomers. Um, but therefore, what they need to focus on is guest and service experience for hosts and guests. I think that's that's where we there the, the big game changer is coming in. You know, we talk about standards and things like that. We talk about really delivering hospitality-like services uh, to, to the guests. And I think that's the, the guest is looking for experience, and that's the hope for a micro-property manager who can deliver an absolutely second-to-none guest experience in order to drive repeat business. And I think that's the future for these guys uh, to, to sort of be in a very niche market and, and deliver a good experience. Um, but definitely, from a threat standpoint, it's, it's potential margin compression. And can you still make enough money to to sustain a living with with a few properties while while commission rates are more under pressure and they're going up? Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned standards, and and that was the, the the whole concept of standards in the in the industry was was raised. We heard the conversation uh, about uh, around it at, uh, at at the conference. We need to keep this very loose. Um, the reason why where where we're coming from is that uh, you know we still have a lot of percentage of hotel guests who have never rented a vacation rental, and they will move into that. So 66 percent in 2018, 66 percent of people who booked hotels would consider a vacation rental. So that means it's the demand is going to be there. So we don't have to worry about growth because the demand for properties is going to come and it will continue to come. But they come from the ho- uh, hotel background, so they 
they are, they understand what a three or four and a five star is. Now, what we need to clearly differentiate ratings and reviews are totally different things. Somebody could rate a property five star because he loved it, uh, or give it five stars, or 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 whatever because he loved the experience and whatever. Even though it might have been a very old building, you know, very authentic, maybe old furniture, and but he he just loved what what he experienced as a whole, and so he gave a review of five, whereas somebody thought it was a total dump and he gave it a review of two. That does not represent the standard of the particular property and what the consumer can expect. And I think our initiatives and our thoughts and ideas go around, we want to make sure we can we can meet customer expectations with the type of property we provide with certain standards. So, so he knows these amenities are there, or that is there, that is there. And still, the beauty about our industry, it's all authentic, it's individual. We don't have 300 hotel rooms in one location where every, where every room looks the same. But certain amenity standards that what the consumer can expect, I think, is very important while we're still converting a lot of old hotel guests into our industry. Yeah, I want to know how the sharp knives are going to be assessed. (laughs) I will do them all on my own. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, Simon, it's been great talking to you. Where where can uh, where can people see you or or hear you talk in, in, let's say, in the next sort of six to eight months? Absolutely. Uh, same here, Heather. It's always a great pleasure and you're doing such a fine job for the industry. So actually the thanks goes to you more than anything. Um, I am, I'm actually going to be in Los Angeles next week already, but I won't be speaking there at a folks right conference, meeting a lot of folks up in the vacation rental industry. I'll definitely be, be speaking at the VRMA in Prague uh, next March. Uh, and then I have a few uh, loose arrangements still coming in. I'm actually speaking to at, at a lot of uh, vacation rental large companies at their executive uh, gatherings and training gatherings as well for, for large property managers as well. Well, I would love to get to Prague. I'm not sure that's going to be uh, be on the cards for me next year, but I'm sure we will get together at some point in the future. Absolutely. And, uh, and have another great conversation. I just loved the conversation. I mean, I, well, I'm... At, at Amy's dinner in New Orleans, when we sat together at that table with Vanessa de Souza Large and and some other really really great folks, that was such a fun evening, and it was great getting to know you a little bit bit better then. It was a, it was an incredible evening actually, and and I thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and on a closing note, I want to congratulate you and Amy for for putting uh, you know your event with hers together. I think that makes a lot of sense in in creating even more value for people and, and not making more difficult actually and, and really bringing a good source of information to to uh, to our industries is a very very good move well thank you for that it was um it's, it's been a long time cooking up that, that particular um partnership and um, we were so pleased to be able to to announce it and uh, and i'm sure we will see you there as well it will be fantastic i would love to be there simon it's been it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you Thank you for joining me from Zurich. (laughs) Thanks, Heather. Well, thank you, Simon. That was absolutely great. So good to to get this sort of perspective from the top looking down and and get more of a broader overview of the business as as we don't often see it. We, We are so usually mired. I mean, I am. I don't know about you guys, but I'm 
so often mired down in the weeds with day-to-day operations that it's it's hard to get the bigger picture sometimes. One of the reasons why I love going to these conferences is is because you do get that bigger picture. You get to talk to people who are looking at the industry in a very different way. They're looking at it from maybe an investment perspective or maybe the viewpoint of somebody who's more involved in uh, strategic management rather than day-to-day operational management. And really, regardless of where you are in the industry, whether you are a manager of 500 properties or 100 properties or five properties or one, it's always good to see it from somebody else's viewpoint. I feel optimism for small property managers who are coming into the business now that there there is space. There is space for them. But I really liked what Simon was saying about, you know, deciding what side of the fence you fall on, whether this is going to be a lifestyle business for you, whether it has more of a an investment aspect to it. Because I think he's quite right. I've been doing this business for nearly 20 years now. I got into it as as, as a lifestyle thing. Uh, and to a certain extent, it still is the case for me. But we are looking at it now, maybe, from uh, a bit of a different viewpoint as, as myself and my business partner come into more, hate to say it, approaching retirement years. No, not, not necessarily retirement, just, you know, maybe it's time to start moving on and thinking about doing something a little bit different. So that was really good to hear um, Simon's comments on, on that. So I hope you enjoyed that. We will be having another sort of more strategic overview of uh, 2018 and looking forward into 2019 uh, at the beginning of of the year because we're going to be I'm talking to Andrew McConnell from Rented.com shortly. Andrew joined me at the beginning of this year to talk about you know looking back over the past 12 months, looking forward to the next 12 months, and he's going to do that again. So that's going to be quite an interesting discussion for us to start out 2019 with. So stay listening. It's always great to know that that you are enjoying the podcast. So please let me know if you've got any suggestions on any direction we should take it in 2019. Uh, if you can email me, and this is a different email address now, it's heather at vacationrentalformula.com. I mean, Mike's been trying to move me away from cottageblogger.com for quite some time. Um, he's sort of dragging me, kicking and screaming into <laughs> into the new domain. Um, and I've just about got there now. Get in touch with me and let me know what you think and what you'd like to hear from me and from my guests in the next, uh, in the next six months, say. So for now, thank you so much for listening. And I'll be with you again very soon. This episode of Vacation Rental Success is over, but don't worry, Heather will be back soon. Want more great resources? Visit cottageblogger.com for tips, tricks, downloads, and strategies to help you achieve profit from your vacation rental business.